As many of you know who watch or now listen to the live show, I have talked about my food allergies and FODMAP issues. This makes it tough for me to find something to drink that is both healthy and energizing. Well, lucky for me, Magic Mind has come into my life, and I think you should try it too, whether you have digestive problems or not. I started drinking Magic Mind in May to start my day. In fact, there is a video of me trying it for the first time on Unfound's YouTube channel, and it has allowed me, even at almost 52 years old, to continue to be the hardest working person in true crime. It tastes great, it goes down smooth, and the L-theanine in Magic Mind will pick you up, but you won't crash later, unlike caffeine. So right now, go to www.magicmind.co forward slash unfound, and by using the discount code unfound20, that's unfound20, within the next 10 days, you will get 40% off your subscription. That's right, 40%. Kick caffeine to the curb with Magic Mind. Craig Allen Freer disappeared from the Cambridge Manor apartment complex in Scotia, New York on June 27, 2004. Despite many searches for Craig over the years and this podcast's coverage in 2017, Craig is still missing. Today, we revisit his case with new opening commentary, a new summary, and a new summation after the original interview. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. I picked Craig's disappearance for this revisiting because it shares a lot of the elements from recent cases we've covered. Young people disappearing, no evidence of foul play, but the circumstances are unique or inexplicable enough that we must consider that idea. What are some of those disappearances? Justin Gaines, Daniel Villarreal, Jordan Carvalho, Andrea Knabel, Steve Davis, Harry Milligan. Yep, there have been quite a few for 2022. The big difference between 2017 when Craig's mother appeared and now is that we're all a lot smarter. We all now know about many more disappearances. We've learned to see tendencies and patterns. And maybe we can use these recently covered similar cases to gain new insight into what might have happened to Craig. The original episode was titled, Under the Microscope. I think you'll see why. And a new summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lainez's website, charlieproject.org. 
Craig Freer seemed to be the all-around American boy. Good-looking, a great family, athletic, smart. And no surprise, he did well with the ladies, too. Craig had a lot of friends from school and elsewhere. His future looked to be very bright. However, both before his disappearance and after, issues arose that showed maybe everything wasn't as it appeared. Before Craig went missing, his parents discovered he had quit his grocery job without informing them. In fact, for weeks he told them he was going to work when really he was hanging out with friends. After Craig's disappearance, a story arose that he had had an argument with someone on a phone the day before he went missing. So, on June 27, 2004, this was the day Craig's parents caught him in that grocery store job lie, although they might have suspected this earlier. Doing her own investigation with phone calls, Craig's mother, Veronica, tracked him down at a girl's apartment. Craig and this girl were the only ones there. Veronica, over the phone, ordered Craig to come home immediately. He said he would. The girl who was with Craig says he left within a few minutes. He was never seen again. Later, Craig's car would be found still parked in the apartment complex where he was with this girl. Several large searches were done at the time, up to very recently, revealing nothing as to what could have happened to Craig. When this episode aired five years ago, much of the audience, which was a lot smaller then, directed its attention at Craig's father, who was out driving around trying to find Craig while Veronica was using the phone. There was the theory that maybe Craig and his father had a fight in the parking lot of the complex that ended with Craig's death, and the father covered it up. You can determine whether that theory holds water while you also try to answer these three questions during this airing of the original interview. Number one, was it such a big deal that Craig couldn't tell his parents that he quit his job? Number two, does the phone call in which Craig argued with someone seem like a real clue, or is it something that has become overblown since 2004? And number three, yes, parents kill their children. It's very sad. But does Craig's disappearance appear to be like those types of murders? I've not spoken to Craig's mother since I interviewed her in 2017. However, my recollection is that she was open to a variety of scenarios. Craig's father has died since 2017. Craig does have at least one brother. The interview for this revisiting is my 2017 interview with Craig's mother, Veronica Freer. Unfound News This coming week is going to be a very unpredictable one, and not just because I'm playing in a week-long disc golf tournament. Other than an episode coming out next Friday, I can make no guarantees regarding the live show or anything else. I will keep you posted on a daily basis. Next, 
The June 2022 episode of Unfound Now is now playing on the YouTube channel. It's the disappearance of Dylan Rounds. It's been very popular so far. I hope you will hear what I have to say about this now nationally known case. Finally, yes, there is actually a video of me drinking Magic Mind for the first time on Unfound's YouTube channel. Opening the package, unscrewing the top of the first bottle, and chugging it down. You gotta check it out. Where you can find Unfound. On these following podcast platforms. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and many others, especially outside the United States. Social media sites, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newest one, TikTok. Listener support sites, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, paypal.me forward slash unfound podcast. The website, theunfoundpodcast.com. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. And please mention Unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm very happy to have on this episode of Unfound, Veronica Freer, the mother of Craig Freer. Veronica, welcome to Unfound. Thank you very much. Thank you. Tell the listeners a little bit about your son, Craig. Um, Craig, um, I have three children. Craig um, is the second of the three. Um, was 17 um, when he disappeared. Uh, walked down a pathway, um, and that is the last anybody, um, to the best of our knowledge, at least reportedly wise, have, has ever seen or heard from him. Um, he was starting his senior year in high school, finishing up his junior year, um, was headed to be captain of his soccer team, um, had, you know, some, you know, wonderful, wonderful friends that he had for years, um, and is very loved and very missed. Um, he, um, was, you know, athletic. He, um, again, had, you know, was very personable. It was just a very, very loving 17-year-old. In talking to you, Veronica, he, he struck me as a very all-around type of guy. Did well in school, did well in sports, had lots of friends. I mean, just seemed like he had all these great things uh, going for him. Yes, um, he did. Uh, and he, uh, again, was starting his senior year, was uh, starting his travel soccer summer league, which he was very excited about, um, Had um, was lining up some coaches um, to come and see him uh, for, um, you know, uh, college uh, soccer to play on a potential team. Um, had done some um, teaching, assisting um, with the school uh, his junior year. Um, and, and again, um, was, uh, very personable, had, um, a lot of friends, long-term friends, and, um, he had so much going for him and, um, this kind of makes it even a little bit more perplexing. You have two other children. He had a, a younger sister and an older brother. Um, 
maybe you can tell the listeners a little bit about the relationship Craig had with both of them as well. Um, out of the two, um, he was close to both of them, actually. Again, uh, being in the middle, each one of my kids was roughly uh, four years apart. Um, my oldest son um, was had been away at college for most of those last couple of years while Craig was in high school. Um, he was at Cortland. Um, so he was gone most of the time, you know, would come home for the summertime, um, would work a lot. Um, and so he was, I think, because of the fact that Matt was, you know, away so much at school during that period of time, had really, you know, with Kathleen and Craig being home, um, had really uh, formed at that point, you know, a very close relationship with his little sister. So he was both uh, close to both Matthew and Craig. I mean, both uh, Kathleen and Matthew. But again, with Matthew being away at college, I think that um, he had, was spending more and more time with his little sister. And she, you, like you said, she was four years younger than him. So he was 17 and she was 13 when he, when he disappeared? Yes. yes. Okay, yes. great. Great. Um, tell us, we're going to get into a little bit more because there might be a situation there where he worked that, might have had something to do with this disappearance. But what do you remember about this job that he had got at Price Choppers, had had it for about two years? Do you remember how he got the job? Did he like the job? What do you remember about that? In addition to, of course, in addition to everything else that was going on, he seemed like a very busy guy to me. But on top of that, he has a job, too. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, now, what had happened was it was the, his junior year in um, high school. So... Um, and his soccer season was kind of picking up for the summer for the travel soccer that he was playing. So he had basically cut down his hours due to finals, you know, it being the, the junior year. Um, he uh, had taken his SATs and had scored phenomenally on it, um, did very well on his SATs, um, and was, you know, taking, um, you know, finishing up with his finals. So he had cut back on his hours at Price Chopper. However, he had had this price chopper, job at Price Chopper since he was 15 years old. Um, his brother, uh, Matthew, worked there. Um, it was a nice – Price Chopper was very uh, good, and it was very good with hiring you know, students and working with the students, even if they play a sport. Um, so Craig was able to kind of alter his hours at Price Chopper, you know, from week to week, you know, depending on what he had going on or what soccer games he had going on. So the little job, really, this little part-time job worked out well. Now, he had started when he was 15. He had to start as a bagger um, because he was only 15. And um, then he went from the bagging section, you know, to the dairy section. Again, just, you know, part-time in the summer months, he would increase his hours um, when he wasn't in, in school normally. Um, and yes, he, he liked uh, the job, as, again, for a 15-year-old to have it for that long. Um, yes, he did like the job. Um, they treated him well. Um, and he had gone, like I said, um, into the dairy section. Um, and with that, um, he would go out and he would, uh, towards the end of his employment, probably the last six months, um, due to the fact that he would go and he would meet like the dairy trucks or the trucks that came in um, and he would help them like unload. Um, so he would, well, not only was he social with, you know, the crew and his coworkers, he was also very social with the truckers that were coming in also. So 
he had gone along, no issues with the job, um, until um, like the last two months prior to um, his disappearance. How and, many hours would um, you say he was putting in at his job the last maybe couple months that he worked there? How many hours a week do you think? Probably 10 hours a week, maybe 16 hours a week because he had cut back the hours so much because of, again, finals and the soccer season starting up. Mm -hmm. So he had dwindled his hours down to minimal for about two or three months until he got over, his soccer season got kicked off and his finals were finished. Which isn't unusual. That's, you know, high school students. Yeah, yeah. They may play football, yeah, it, but they don't play basketball or baseball, and they may get a job after football season. Or So what you're saying there makes total sense. Yeah, and Price Chapper, like I said, was very good with working with the students, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. and, and you know, working around these, these, these schedules. So, um, so the, the job really worked out well. He, he really enjoyed it um, until it seemed, um, much to my surprise, that I found out that he had – been released from the position um, for not showing up to work. So those eight to 10 or maybe 16 hours at best that week that he was supposed to be working, he was not working. Um, and he was released from the position because of that. Okay. We're going to get into that in just a moment. One more thing before we do get into that. Do you, he had lost his wallet at some point. Did that happen right around that time, around this April of 2004? What do you remember about that? Because that's going to play a factor, may possibly, in this case as well. Do you remember? What do you remember about that? Okay, there was two actual incidences of um, him losing his wallet, but not losing it. What had happened was about uh, probably about. Ten months before he disappeared, um, somebody um, had um, taken his wallet. And what had happened was he was at somebody's house. This young man had taken a couple of wallets. He was found out. They had, and his Craig's wallet was actually, the father came over with this young man that took Craig's wallet and ended up apologizing. And Craig's wallet was returned along with his driver's license. Then what happened was after that, um, evidently, um, his wallet was missing again. He had told me that he had thought that he had lost it um, at one point. Um, so I'm not sure if he actually had his license on him or not. I don't know what he had on him for his driver's license. So... He, I said, Craig, if you don't have a license, then you have to go get another one. So he evidently got another driver's license, and he um, had it supposedly in his wallet. When I found his wallet, his driver's license was not in it. So um, what had happened was his driver's license was found uh, probably a couple of years after he disappeared at somebody's house. Um, evidently, um, he was in, according to what the story goes, is he was in this person's car, supposedly left his wallet in the car, and that's how this person ended up with a driver's license. So this would have been the um, second incident of 
Craig losing his yeah. wallet in this car at, at some right. point. Um, and the, what had happened was the uh, license, w- w- the mother went to uh, into this young man's house. This young man lived with his mom and dad. The mom and dad went to go move the dresser and found Craig's wallet and driver's license in his their son's room. They, at that point, did not turn over the driver's license and wallet because they were afraid that their son, who had been previously in trouble before, might get in trouble. What happened was somebody had overheard uh, the mother of this child talking in one of the local restaurants about how she had moved her son's dresser, and lo and behold, out come when the, behind the dresser evidently was Craig's driver's license and Craig's wallet. So the son had explained that Craig had left the wallet and the driver's license in the car, and that's how he became in possession of it, that this happened prior to Craig's disappearance, and that um, he did, he was scared and didn't want to turn it in, which, you know, this person overheard this conversation of the mother talking at this local restaurant. The person who overheard this conversation called the authorities and said, look, you know, I was just in a restaurant. I heard this woman talking to her friend, and they, and I know about the Craig Fair case, and this woman was telling her friend that, you know, hey, what, you know, my, you know, we got really scared. You know, we know he didn't have anything to do with it, but when we moved the dresser, we found Craig's wallet and driver's license, you know, behind the dresser. But we we are positive he doesn't have anything to do with it. He wasn't even supposedly around at the time, which I I don't know that to be true. To my knowledge, he was around at the time, and he had been in trouble previously, and I believe had to go to jail for a short period of time. And um, so this person overheard, and that's how the police come came to find out that this woman, uh, the mother of this young man that Craig went to school with, actually had possession of Craig's uh, license in Craig's wallet, at which point they went to go interview um, the parents and uh, the young man. And they assured the police that um, this was he, Craig left it in the um, son's car prior to Craig's disappearance that the son had nothing to do with Craig's disappearance um, and that, um, you know, that they felt very bad and um, that they just didn't want their son to get in trouble and get blamed for something he didn't do. So they did not readily turn the wallet and the driver's license into the police as they should have. Okay. So how many wallets did Craig end up having in the end? He lost his wallet before in ID but got it back. And then, and then lost it again, possibly because of this guy that you're talking about right here, this friend of... So it's same wallet. Mm -hmm. Same wallet. Okay. Okay. Let's move to April 2004. We're going to go backtrack a little bit from the wallet story. But you started having some concerns uh, about your son uh, leading up to the Price Chopper uh, discovery. What can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? You know, I can't even say at the time there were really true concerns. Now, you know, in hindsight, I look back and yes, little red flags go up. Okay. Um, Yeah, there were a couple of concerns that were kind of out of character for him. For example, he had 
um, done like this little internship with the school where he, uh, you know, was, um, you know, under a teacher and he was like um, assistant helping the teacher. He was like the teacher assistant and he had done this for a quarter and he had done very well. Um, and the teachers had praised him and said how well he had done, but he like didn't turn in the assignment at the end of the year, you know, Um these small, tiny little things like that, that at the time I just was like, you know, Craig, really, you know, you've got to turn that in, you know. Um, He had um, some CDs that belonged to his brother that he took out in his brother's name that he was supposed to return, and he didn't return. Well, my, my, his brother went to go rent some CDs. They wouldn't rent them to him because he had a CD or two outstanding. So my son comes home and says, Craig, you've got to return those CDs. I thought you said you returned them already. And he said, oh, I'm going to return them right now. You know, these little, little things that were just little tiny things that were kind of out of Craig's character. I can't say there was any huge thing or anything big that went on. But now looking back, I'm seeing these little, like, little hinks that – to me now, are more like little red flags. Back then, it was more or less me just thinking, okay, you know what? You know, he's got to turn in his work. We've been down this road before. Sometimes he doesn't do it. I just, you know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. just got to stay on him. But it, it really, it, for him not to just blatantly turn it in was a little bit out of character for him. Yes, it was. You'd also told me, and listeners should remember, that he was going to be captain of his soccer team, but there was a soccer party, some get-together, and then afterwards he didn't even go out with the rest of his teammates as well, even though they yeah. and his coach had just and his coach had just picked him to be captain. Yeah, again, you know, back then I, I didn't really look at it at like a huge, but it was a So he had had a – we had had a end-of-the-year soccer banquet. And um, at that banquet, he was named as one of the captains. So his whole soccer team is there. The parents are there. Now, we had some company coming in out of town that weekend, okay? His grandfather was coming in out of town and spending the night at the house. So um, at the end of the soccer um, banquet, um, a group of friends went out. And believe me, Craig was always the first one out the door to go out and do something social like that. Um and he turned to me and he said, you know, he said, I, I, I'm not going to go out with the guys tonight. He said, I think I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to come home. And I said, Craig, I said, my God, that's not like you. And I was kind of laughing at the point. He said, what, why? I said, you can go out, you know, I said, your grandfather's here, but you know, he understands, you know, you just had your, he said, no, no, no. He said, I'm going to come home. I'm just going to stay home. He said, I, I really, I really just don't want to go out. Um, so, again, something at the time that didn't seem like it was a big thing, but now looking back, it was out of character for him to, to, you know, am I reading too much into this stuff at this point? Possibly, but definitely something, again, that um, was not the norm for Craig. It's one of those instances where any one of these things would not be a big deal, but all of them combined in such a close time period is what maybe set some of your concerns off. Exactly. 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 Um, you know, he, um, you know, he has had the same friends since he was a kid in high, uh, elementary school, you know, um, his friends, um, were, 
a regular at my house. You know, Craig was a regular at their house. I'm friends with their parents. Um, you know, uh, when Craig did not come home, I was I directly called you know his friends, and because I, I, there is that comfort level of you know what happened. Have you seen him? You know, when was the last time you saw him? Um, and that the morning of Craig's disappearance, I had seen him that morning. He had come home, okay, and um, we just talked briefly, and um, and then he was on his way to work, and I was on my way out the door to go to my daughter's soccer tournament. Everything was good, and to think now that was the last time that I ever saw him, you know, um, I, I can, you know, single things, little things. Um, it's more of, you know, everything kind of added together now, uh, that I look back that, yes, I am seeing that, you know, these were, I believe, red flags that something was going on. Now, the big thing of those were just small things. These, this is certainly the big thing was this job at Price Choppers that we've already talked about. He'd had that job for two years, but you somehow discovered uh, that actually he'd been lying to you about going to work. Tell the listeners all about this because this is, I think this would be a big main concern for any parent who would discover that, you know, a child is going to work, but isn't going to work. What can you tell the listeners about that? Well, what had happened was um, that day, um, what happened was that morning uh, when I saw Craig, he went to work. I went to my daughter's soccer tournament. My daughter's soccer tournament was right down the road from Price Chopper. My, we were having company that afternoon. I had to pick up a couple things. So I said, you know, I'm going to, on my way home, I'll stop off at Price Chopper, say hi to Craig, um, pick up a couple things, go home, and make sure he knows what time dinner is. And then um, that'll be it. So I go to stop by and to go see Craig, and Craig's not there. So I come home, and I'm, like, scratching my head now. You know, again, the couple of small things, those couple of small things that had had happened. And this was the first time I think it kind of came a little bit together for me. And, And I'm saying, what is going on here? So I called his friend's house. Um, and tracked, basically more or less, for lack of a better term, tracked Craig down and talked to him on the phone. I said, Craig, I just stopped off at Price Chopper. They said, you weren't there. And I said, what's going on? And he said, oh, Mom, he's there. I know. I'm running late. I should have been there 45 minutes ago. He said, I'm on my way there now. Don't worry about it. I'm on my way, okay? So I said, okay, make sure you get there. And make sure, you know, dinner's at 3 o'clock. So we hang up the phone. So my then-husband was at the soccer tournament, and um, he was bringing home my daughter. And um, I said, you know what? I said, on the way home, can you just stop off at Price Chopper and see if Craig is there? I know he said he was going, but, you know, I get this bad feeling. Something's not right here, you know? And, And so... He said, of course. So he stopped by, and guess what? Craig wasn't there. So he, at that point, spoke to somebody that was working there and said that Craig hadn't been there for, um, like, probably a month. 
um, if not, maybe even a week longer than that. Now, granted, his hours were reduced down to almost nothing, but still, he did have those hours scheduled. And that he, um, they decided he wasn't showing up for work. They tried to call him. He gave excuses, and they finally said, you know what? You're off the payroll until you come in, until you can, you know, Get yourself together and actually show up for the hours that you're supposed to show up for. So more or less, they let him go. Now, that um, why wasn't he showing up to Price Chopper? And where was he those times, those 8 to 10 hours a week when he wasn't at Price Chopper, when I at least was under the impression that he was, and he left the house on the pretense that he was going to work on a couple of those occasions. So. Um, what happened um, was, and this is what kind of made it a little bit difficult, is after my son had um, disappeared, um, we were searching. I got this very bad gut feeling in my stomach. I can't even explain it to you. I just felt something was very, very wrong. You know, I just found out that he wasn't working at Price Chopper. Uh, you know, I realized that he hasn't been going, you know, where has he been those hours, you know, now, you know, it's kind of, you know, those cu- couple little hinky things are kind of hitting home, you know, that, you know, he didn't turn in this, what is going on here, okay, why didn't he want to go out the other night, you know, what, something, so I, it all came down on me at once, and, um, we were, um, you know, looking and looking for him. I filed a, a missing persons report, tried to with the police department who, where Craig is from, who refused to take the report, who sent me to the village of Scotia, who then refused to take the report because the village of Scotia is saying it doesn't get reported here. It gets reported from where the child lived. And the Glenville saying, no, Scotia takes a report because that's where Craig was last seen. So the two of them were going back and forth. Neither one of them wanted to take the report. Finally, it was determined that Scotia Police Department, the village of Scotia, the place where Craig was last seen is where the report actually gets filed. So here I am. I'm waiting for my 48 hours. I am literally sitting at the bench uh, waiting for them so I could file this report. I had come from the Glenville Police Department. Scotia wanted to send me back. I refused. I said, "Somebody, I'm not leaving until somebody takes this report. So we we filed the report. And, you know, I am trying to tell the police, you know, the police are saying, well, you know, we don't recognize any of these names. You know, I'm telling him Craig's friends' names. I'm, t- you know, trying to tell him, and he's sitting there to say, well, you know, we don't recognize any of these names. And I'm saying, well, that's because they, they're not kids that get in trouble, you know, like it was a disadvantage that they didn't know anybody. And I said, you know, I said, I really need need you to understand something is wrong here. I know it. I can feel it. Something's not right. Something's been going on. And they um, said, you know, honestly, he's 17 years old. He's a young man. He's almost six feet tall. He's there. He's probably went to a party. He's probably part. It's graduation weekend. He's probably partying it up. And you're probably going to see him come home Sunday night when he's when he's darn good and ready. And I said, no, 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 no. He wouldn't do that. No, you don't understand. Something is wrong 
something I, I can tell you, I could feel it. We could not get the police to even initiate an investigation regarding Craig. Let's, let's, let's go back. Seen. Yeah, let's go back a little bit, though. You call him. He says he's going to go to work. All right. Mm-hmm. That day you tracked him down. You had told me that some girl had answered the phone first and kind of covered up for him. Is that is that correct? Right. So what happened was after we found out that he was not at work, my husband came home, not only told me that he was not at work, that he had been not coming to work for at least the last few weeks. So what does mom do? I get back on the phone and say, you know, where is he? So I try calling all around. And his friend legitimately hadn't seen him. He had gone to an ex-girlfriend's house that um, I had found out, you know, her phone number. So I called and I asked if he was there. And she said, no, no, he's not here. He's not here. But, you know, I could tell she wasn't being truthful. So I hang up the phone and I think about it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to call her back. So I called back and said, look, I said, I know you don't want to get involved. I said, but I have a very good feeling that Craig is there. And I said, can you please put him on the telephone? And um, she said, okay, yeah, he's right here. I'm sorry, but, you know, he he um, didn't want to talk to you on the phone. So I said, fine. So he put, I put, and this is the last conversation I had with my son. And let me tell you, it resonates in my head constantly. Is I got on the phone and I said, Craig, what are you doing here? I said, you are supposed to be at work. I called you. You said you were on your way to work. I said, you know, I don't understand what's going on here. And you haven't been going to work. So where have you been going those hours? And I said, what is going on? And he said, Mom, I'll talk to you about it when I get home. He's there. I, 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 have, I, have, I have a reason why I haven't been going to Price Chopper. I, 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 I'm starting that landscaping job with Matt next week. He's there. I'm all covered. I'm not going back to Price Chopper. He's there. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you about it when I see you. And, but I was yelling at him at the time. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I was upset and I said, Craig, you know, I, well, what are you doing here? You just, I, I just caught you in two lies. I don't understand what's going on. And that was the last conversation I had with my son. So when you Which got off the phone, so when you got off the phone with him, your understanding was that he was walking from this place back to your house or was going back was coming home was coming to that was coming home yes all right but coming home and so his car would have been there but instead he chose to walk why is that his what had happened was um his father was out looking for him to see if he could find him walking or what was going on so i had called his father and said look i just spoke to craig he's at this address i said um so evidently, my husband went went there and was standing out in this area. Craig saw that he was standing there and went around the other side of the building. And so instead of taking his car home and seeing my husband, he walked around the other side of the building and was walking when he was last seen towards the house, 
towards our house. So There's a way that you can cut through the woods that you can end up in my backyard, which is a common walkway. So did uh, Craig's dad see him come out and like, so Craig yeah. avoided him or is that something you're just taking yeah. for granted that Craig saw him? I'm taking it for granted that Craig saw him. I do not know for a fact that Craig saw okay. him. Okay. All right. Uh, but, but, um, his dad never saw him that day. He was standing down there by the car thinking Craig right. was going to come down and they're probably right. going to have words. And then Craig was going to get in his right. car and drive home. Right. Yeah. And how long did, do you think that Craig's dad stood there and waited then when, before he finally figured out that, you know what, I think Craig's not coming out. Did he, did, did Craig's dad go up to this, go over to this house or was it an apartment to see if he was there or how did, do you know? No, um, he called me and said, you know, he said, Craig, Craig hasn't come out yet. So I said, all right. I said, well, I said, let me call back. So I called back and they said, no, Craig left. They, she said she left right after he left right after, um, he spoke to you and um, said he was going home and um, he left. So that leads me to believe that Craig left and probably saw his father standing by the car and probably detoured and decided to cut through the woods and walk home as opposed to maybe confronting his father. Yeah. And did anybody see him? Did anybody see Craig, to your knowledge, once he left? And started walking on this path, like headed toward the path that anybody yes. see. Okay. Yes. I, I, I hired a private investigator okay. um, who, because the Scotia police were doing nothing, but they found a, hired a private investigator who found out that um, Craig had, um, they had seen Craig on the railroad tracks walking in the direction of the house. Great. Okay. Thank you. How long does it take generally to walk from wherever he was to your house? How long of a walk would that have been? And can you tell the listeners maybe a little bit about eight, what that walk was would be like? It's about an eight-minute walk, I think, is what we kind of clocked it at. Um, what you do is um, there's uh, behind us, um, I'm sure as you can imagine, in upstate New York, there's a lot of water and woods and so on. Um, there's a complex, and um, I live at the end of a very long street, unlike a cul-de-sac. So if you you can drive the road and drive all the way down and around, or if you can go to the village and you can use this pathway. Um, it is um, you walk down uh, railroad tracks for a little bit. You cut through um, a little wooded area. Again, this is a defined path. It's not like you're trudging through woods. Um, and then you follow this pathway, and then you basically end up in my backyard. Again, commonly used, Craig probably walked it 100 times. And in fact, you told me in our prior conversation that to walk from this place to your house is actually quicker than had he gotten in his car and driven yeah, to your yeah, house. It's actually, yeah, because when you when you take the roadways, you have to cut all the way around. It's kind of because you have to follow the, the roads and the streets. So this pathway is, is you know, distance-wise, probably an eighth of the distance that it would be to drive. Mm -hmm. 
So he doesn't come home, and that's when you said that you started going to the police, and they kind of gave you the runaround and said, oh, he's probably partying out, you know, with his, you know, and you drove around trying to find him. Is in the vicinity of this path, is there anywhere else that he might have walked? Like, was there another friend's house around this area, or maybe even the person you mentioned earlier who had the idea, ID, or any of these places around this this pathway? Could he have walked to any of those places? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, it's it, where we are from is not a a big community. Um, that pathway um, cuts to my development is a direct cut to another development. And if you follow the railroad tracks and turn like left, you can end up right in the village and, and be readily accessible in less than 10 minutes to probably 70% of his friend's houses. Mm -hmm. So he could have said, well, you're, he told you that he was going home, but really maybe he might have just been going somewhere else. Once again, if he did see his father down by his car, then he's thinking, you know what, now that I think about it, maybe I don't want to go home at all. Maybe I'll just go hide out somewhere else and maybe let this cool down even further, hopefully. Maybe. Or maybe he wanted to get to me before he got to his dad. It could have been that he was walking through the pathway to avoid his dad so that way he could get to me and kind of explain everything before his dad came or was possibly walking on his way home and then midway through, like you said, maybe said, you know what, I'm going to let things cool down for a little bit, you know, and then I'll go home. I don't know. Okay. I want to uh, ask you some more questions uh, about him not going to work did you eventually find out where he had been going all this time? However it had long been, a yes. month, five weeks after the fact, did you find out who he was hanging out, where he was going? What did those people have to say? Yeah. Um, what had happened was when the state police took over the case, finally, um, they developed a timeline. And in that timeline, one of their priorities was to determine, you know, what hours was Craig not at work when he said he was scheduled to be work? So get a good, good, uh, you know, summary for how many hours, you know, what did he miss? And, what, and now let's look at these hours missed. Let's try and track down where he was during these times. So uh, between the private investigator and between the state police, um, they were, you know, obviously probably can't account for 100% of the time, but they were able to count um, – find some of those times where he was missing and we found that what he was doing was he was simply going over to friends houses um he was hanging out for two or three hours or four hours um whatever his shift was and then he would come home and evidently uh, was just going along with my assumption that he had been at work when he hadn't been so do we have all of that time accounted for no um, do we have some of it accounted for? Yes. And those times he was simply going to friends' houses and hanging out. Were these friends, like you had said before, were these the kinds of friends that he had had since elementary school, as you described earlier, or were these no. newer friends? These were kind of – Craig was was very um, popular, and, you know, he hung out with a lot of different people. So he – 
although he had this core group of kids and was pretty much, you know, in, you know, hung out with the athletic kids or whatever, he also had other friends. So these, the kids' houses, which um, th- we found that he went to, um, were not like his best friend's houses that he played soccer with or so on. These were kids that um, he didn't normally hang around with, um, didn't socially normally hang around with, hadn't been like the other kids to my house all the time. Um, these uh, were kids that um, um, just weren't part of, you know, who he hung around with socially growing up. Would you say that any of them were shady? Well, I I believe that some of these kids were more of the kids that um, had gotten in trouble, um, that were the kids that, um, again, were not part of that core group of people that he hung around with. For example, a couple of Craig's friends um, had made comments that they would never hang around with this person or that person um, because they were what they considered, you know, not great people. Uh, Craig was still, you know, friends with them. So, yeah, these kids were more of the kids that were inclined to maybe get in trouble or had issues with school, Um, again, which was not Craig's normal set of friends. Did any of these, do you believe any of these kids knew that he was skipping work when they were showing, when he was showing up to hang out with them? I believe that uh, at least two of them did. Um, I believe Craig at one point had said to one of them, you know, um, I'm supposed to be at work, but you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not going to go, you know what I mean? So I'm just hanging out here, you know, and he would just hang out. But yeah, I believe on at least two occasions, he did tell them that he was supposed to be at work, but he was just hanging out. Okay. Were any of these kids, the kid, the young man who ended up having Craig's ID in his house? No, no, no. That was somebody was, different. Uh, well, it was this young man that had the ID at Craig's house. Uh, Craig had known ever since he was younger. Um, this young man had, um, you know, had some issues of um, getting in in trouble. Um, at one point, this young man said that Craig was um, uh, with him when evidently, probably one of the times he was supposed to be to work. Um, because that's how Craig left his wallet and his driver's license in his car was that he was hanging out with Craig. So although I'm not positive, this is, this young man is one of the places Craig went to because he was missing work. I know Craig at one point must've been hanging out with this young man at some point for supposedly his wallet and driver's license to be left in the car. Right. Did any of these kids who were hanging out with him during that time ever express any idea about why Craig started skipping work in the first place, to your knowledge? No. To be perfectly honest with you, um, a lot of the kids, his core group of friends of like three or four friends, which were her, his constant companions since he was like in third grade, didn't even know he was skipping work. So this was something not only he was hiding from you and his dad and obviously his two siblings. These were, you know, in my recollection, I'm 46, but going back to when I was 17, you tell your friends way more than you tell your parents. But he wasn't even telling his friend, his confidants this. Right. 
Right. He was mm-hmm. not. Okay. And then when he was skipping these these work hours, he was hanging around with a totally different set of kids. Yeah. Have you thought about, I mean, obviously he wasn't working maybe eight hours a week, 10 hours a week once his hours were cut down. And he had been doing this for maybe a month or five weeks. Do you have any idea what he might have been doing for money in that time? Well, he um, did some uh, work for his grandparents. So, uh, he, you know, he got some money for that. Um, I helped him pay for prom um, because I knew that, you know, he couldn't work a ton of hours um, because of his school schedule and so on. You know, he had a little bit of money saved, you know, from when he did work. Um, and again, he had done some work at his grandparents and had gotten some money for that. Um, you know, his car was paid for. Um, so, you know, he did have a little bit of money put aside. Okay. What did the girls like we found none of, oh. so I'm assuming he used it all. Okay. The girl that was that where he was the day he disappeared, did you end up actually talking to her in person later? Did you ever did yes. she know that day that he was supposed to be at work? After my phone call, yes she did. Prior to that, I do not believe she knew he was supposed to be at work. I be- I believe he just cuz I believe he just said to her that he was just stopping by to say hi. Then after I made that phone call to him is when she realized that he was actually supposed to be at work. Hmm. But I do not believe she knew when he walked through the door that he was actually supposed to be at work that day. You have some suspicions about or you have, you know, yeah, I can call it a suspicion about what might have been going on at Price Choppers. Do you feel comfortable telling? Did you do you you believe that there was something that was possibly going on at Price Choppers that was causing Craig not to show up for work? I think it's it's definitely um, a possibility. You know, is it me just you know overthinking and going through things over and over and over and over again in my head? Something was going on with Price Chopper. Something happened there to one point where he was fine and he was working. He, obviously, from everything that we've heard from everybody, you know, you don't, you know, how many 17-year-olds have, you know, a microscope put on them, you know? Um, He, uh, you know, was, something was going on. Um, Now, I don't know what it may have been. I know that um, he was doing fine, and then something happened. He know that he used to go back to the docks, and he used to hang out with the truckers all the time um, when they came in to do the dairy supplies um, and deliver the dairy and the eggs and the milk. And I know he spent a lot of time back there with the truckers. He even told me a couple of times that he did. At one point, he had come home with a name and a phone number and was proud of himself and said, ha, 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 he's their mom. He's there. Guess what? And I said, what? And he's there. A woman, a woman today gave me her name and her phone number and, and, and he's there. Um, and she was a little bit older and he's there. She wrote her name and phone number on a piece of paper and he had the piece of paper in his hand. 
uh, for me to give to, to call. And I said, really? And I said, Craig, that's really kind of inappropriate. I said, why haven't you ripped up that piece of paper and thrown it out? He's there. Ah, he's there. I just want to, I just want to throw the guys. And he, and he, and I saw the piece of paper just for a second, like a flip second. And I could see the writing and I noticed then, I said, you know, that looks like a man's handwriting, not a woman's handwriting, but didn't really think anything of it, you know. Um, and I don't know, you know, um, you know, did he meet somebody? Um, something, it seems like something was going on at Price Chopper. Whatever it was, I do not know. And your older son had worked at Price Chopper at one time, to, also, uh, like you said before. And my daughter. And your daughter. My daughter. Ever had any had any problems with them? Either of them working there? No. Okay. Hmm. No. Okay. Let's move on to um, maybe a couple other things. After he disappeared, you had his computer gone through. Did anything strange no, found there? I was there? so hoping. No, I was, I thought, this is it. This is, we're going to find something out. Now, back then, it was the IM, the instant messaging, you know, where they wrote cryptic kind of messages back and forth, you know. Um, and he, we only had one computer in the house at the time, and he hadn't gotten a cell phone yet. He was going to get one for his birthday that was coming in in October. Some of his friends had cell phones. Some of them didn't. Craig was going to get one on his birthday. So, when he made quick plans or whatever, it was either the home phone or he would use the messaging. And he was on the computer a lot. So, you know, I thought, all right. So I obviously tried to get the Scotia, the, the local police to, to, to run the forensics on it. Um, they, they did not. So the private investigator found somebody um, that was able to get the messages off of there. And unfortunately, what happened was the hard drive was full. So every time he wrote a, a message, it kind of overwrote the last one. But the forensic specialist was able to get probably at least 70% of the messages off the computer. So I am sitting there, okay, all right, here we go. I'm going to find some answers. What was going on? You know, because nobody's, you know, the kids don't expect you to go through the machine like that, you know, so anything he'd have to say he knew what, what, nobody was going to look at it, so he might have been open and free with these messages, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, here you are as a parent praying that there's some type of drug activity or criminal activity, something that you can put your hands into, that you can go and you can try to find him or something to give you a, a starting point. So they sent the report in, um, had gotten all the messages, and there was, there was nothing there, nothing there was um, some messages regarding, you know, going and meeting kids at a party um, and, um, you know, that type of stuff. But there was nothing in regards to um, somebody unknown. They tried to track down all of the IM messages uh, to a person. So we had a whole host of IM messages. Um, they, the police, the state police did that to the best of their ability. Um, did they get every single one? No, but they got kind of the content, or at least what they think is most of the content, not unless some of them were just totally erased and we just weren't able to get it. 
but um, there was nothing on there to give us any sense of direction or to give us any sense of what was really, really going on. He had, um, the day that, uh, before his disappearance, he was at a friend's graduation party. And at this graduation party, somebody had heard him all on the telephone. Now, don't forget, he didn't have a cell phone. So that means that he had to borrow somebody's phone, okay? So he, um, on this phone conversation, he is, according to the witnesses, very animated and, you know, saying, I can't believe you're going to do this to me now. I can't believe you're doing this to me now, you know, and and was very upset with whoever this person was, and it sounded like this person for was more or less kind of threatening to do something with him. I don't know what it was. I don't know, but whoever it was he was on the phone with, um, again, he was very animated with and was very upset. Um, you know, they tried to track down, but, you know, by the time the state police got their hands on everything, you know, a lot of these phone records are purged. So, sadly, um, you know, that is an extremely good lead. However, we don't have access to the electronic records any longer, nor did we when the state police got this lead. It's no fault of theirs. And, um, you know, we weren't able to, to find out exactly who was who he was talking to. But when did something you, was going on. When did you find out about this phone call that he made at this graduation party? We just found out about this uh, about a month ago. So he disappears in 2004, and then suddenly 13 years later, somebody comes forward about this. Yes. Can you tell yes, the listeners happened? a little bit about how that happened? I um, If you can. Um, if you happened. can. I, I I happened to be home. Um, um, I have um, had lymphoma, um, was uh, in the process of getting radiation treatments. Um, a friend of mine, um, which I wouldn't normally do, said, come on, you're getting out of the house for a few hours. We're going to go to a nail salon. I'm, I'm going to have your, 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 uh, give you a pedicure and a manicure. You need to get out. So I go to this nail salon and, um, you know, a mother comes to me, um, a woman that I, I really did not recognize. Again, I wasn't feeling well at the time, however, um, but um, and came to me and said, you know, um, this has been on my mind um, and I wasn't going to say anything. She's there. I figured you guys already knew about all of this stuff. She's there. So I didn't never called. She's there. My husband said, you know, you should call. I can't call. You're the one who heard it. You should call. And she's there. I never called. She's there because I knew the case was being worked on. And I knew that, you know, somebody may have already known she's there. Um, but she said, you know, I see you standing here, and she said, I, I, I'm just looking at you, and she said, I have to, I have to say something to you. And that's when she told me about this conversation. She, but there had, she described it as being, here Craig was at this party, he was kind of secluded from everybody else, but she was somewhere near him and heard this conversation going on. Yes. Would, do you know – you don't have – please don't give this woman's name. We're not going to do that. But would this woman have been somebody who would have been at this graduation party? I guess what I'm saying is do you believe yes. her? Do you believe her? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, she's a very credible, good person. Um, and I can't imagine she would ever say something like that if it was not factual. Would you say this is a woman that – would you say that you've had another – have you run into her somewhere at the nail salon before or anywhere else over the last 13 years where you've talked to this woman before? Is this the first time this woman has seen you in 13 years, do you think? Can the first you... time the woman's seen me in 13 years. Wow. Okay. And how did she describe Craig on this phone call? Not just the words, but his demeanor and his emotions. What would? How did she describe him? Very anxious. Um, again, very animated. Um, upset. Uh, like pacing a little bit as he was talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. And but once again, this is 13 years later, and it'd be a little difficult to find out uh, who he was talking to, whose phone he was using, because Craig at the time did not have uh, a cell phone. Uh, And this is the first time you ever heard about this in 13 years. There wasn't even any rumor out there or anything like that. No. Okay. No, because I believe she was the only witness to the phone call. Mm-hmm. Because Craig had secluded himself from the rest of the party for this conversation, she just happened to hear it. She did. She, she said that she, Craig never even saw her. So he made this phone call, thinking that, or talked to this person, thinking that he was totally alone. And what's interesting about this is here, Craig is at this party where most of his friends would be. So who could he have been talking to on the phone? Right. That you know right. that I'm, would would um, be saying that could really do something to him to really make him feel this way. Right. And I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, and you're. That's a good question. Who would it be? Probably. Probably eighty percent of his friends were at that party. And there was the story out there that – is it true that Craig had had a girlfriend that he broke up with maybe not long before he disappeared? Is that is that true? Yeah, is that yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah. she at this party? It was her party. It was her party. So it yeah. couldn't have been that. It couldn't have been something where he was arguing like with an ex-girlfriend or, or something like that. No. No, it was somebody that was threatening to do something to him. I don't know if it was a male or a female. Um, He, um, you know, and again, you know, not realizing it at the time, but Craig was very um, active um, with girls, you know. Um, He had had a few girls that he was actually seeing. Um. And again, you know, how many, you know, how many of us parents or how many, you know, 17-year-olds, you know, have, you know, their life put under a microscope. Sure. Um, but he was still, um, he was seeing um, a number of girls at the same time. Right. Yeah, you make a good point that the reason we know these things now is because Craig's life has been put under a microscope because 
he disappeared. And it very well could be the stories we're talking about, Craig, are probably true for a lot of teenagers. It's just we don't know about it because these other teenagers haven't disappeared. So we shouldn't think that this is his lifestyle or whatever he was doing was any different than anybody else's. I think that's a that's a a good a good point to make. Um, would, would you happen to know if, um, and I'm just going to use his first name, Jeff, he is the guy who ended up having Craig's ID in his house. Was he at this party? Would he have been invited to the party or is it possible that, no, no, he wouldn't have been. I don't believe he would have been invited to the party. No. No. Okay. He was totally not in that social group of children. Right. Did the police, um, like you said, you had some problems with the police, and eventually, when did the state police get involved with Craig's disappearance? Uh, over a, about 14 months, a year and a half after Craig disappeared. That long? I actually got the, yeah, I actually got them, the, the local police department to actually sign a waiver to turn it over to the state police because they were doing nothing. And I, you know, got the private investigator and did a lot of, he did an awful lot of work. And the private investigator um, turned over all of his findings to the state police. Can you, once again, with whatever you're comfortable with, can you tell the listeners some of the things that your private investigator did? Uh, the private investigator actually got out and went and spoke to kids. The private investigator is the one who got the forensics done on the computer. The private investigator is the one who found the um, the uh, uh, witnesses that saw Craig on the train tracks. Um, the private investigator went to the school and, you know, um, worked on a couple of other leads. Um, there was a uh, rumor out there that Craig um, had been seen in the company of one of the teachers um, outside of the school. Uh, so, you know, that lead was, you know, followed up on also on the, the uh, but what the private investigator did that was, was the most important or, or found out that was the most um, important was the fact that he found two witnesses that saw Craig walking down those train tracks, okay, and um, he followed up on, you know, the teacher lead to the point where um, he did not believe that there was any foul play involved. And um, he uh, was able to uh, speak to a lot of people, get a general consensus of Craig and who he was, and had all the forensics done on the computer. Did the he go? did a lot. Yeah. Did he go to Price Choppers and talk to anybody there? Yes, he did. And I, I, whatever you can say, did he find out anything unusual? A- anything? Once again, you don't have to say the only it's private. Thing I private. believe that's str- the only thing I think that that the only thing, kind of, not so much as unusual, but obviously, as we know, he wasn't he wasn't going to work. You know, confirmed that it was because you know he lost time, but Craig was hanging out on those loading docks an awful lot of time. 
of the time that he was supposed to be in work. He was hanging out with a group of like truckers or whatever. Um, and, um, but nothing that pointed um, him in a, in, in a definite direction um, as far as, you know, somebody's name or, you know, something along those lines. The private investigator also uh, went and interviewed some of the um, employees at Price Shoppers, some of Craig's co-workers, um, and, um, but again, did not come away with anything that, you know, was, was definitely pointing us in a, in a definite direction. And of course, searches organized either by the, you or the private investigator, the police were conducted, you know, on this path, on the railroad tracks, and there was nothing, nothing was found of Craig's, not a shoe, not a, a piece of clothing, nothing. Right. Um, what had happened was the first search was done was a community search of over 300 people. Um, it was a community, the, the, mm. not the police. The police ended up coming in because they had to deal with crowd control. Okay, that was bad. That was so they ended up being forced to more or less come in. But it was uh, so we also after that, once the state police came in, is when the searching started more or less. And that was over a year after my son disappeared. So the state police brought in, um, you know, cadaver dogs. They brought in bloodhounds. They have searched and researched, you know, certain areas, um, you know, for various reasons. Um, and they have searched that area, um, you know, with a fine-tooth cone, some of the spots, you know, Um and they still have a couple of areas I believe they still want to go and search more than likely in the fall once once the foliage is all down. Now is a tough time. Mm, yeah. So, um, you know, they that particular area, but again, you know, such a disadvantage, you know, having everything, you know, not even start until well over a year after his disappearance. It, it was not good. And how long did the private investigator, uh, maybe it, maybe he's working for you to this day, I, I, we, that's never come up, but when did you hire him and how long did he or she uh, work for you and when did you decide to do that? He, I decided to do that uh, finally um, probably about four months into Craig's disappearance. The private investigator stayed on the case until it was turned over to the state police, which was about 15 months after Craig's disappearance. So he, once the state police came on, he filed a report. He said to me, he said, you know, I, he talked to the investigator um, assigned to Craig's case, turned everything over. Um, and said, you know, I believe now you're in good hands. He said, if you need anything for me to do, anything special or anything outside the bucket the state police can't do for you or aren't mm -hmm. doing for you, he said, you let me know. He's there, but mm -hmm. he's there. There's not much more I can do for you right now unless other leads come in or whatever. He's there, you know, he's there. I believe that um, you are in good hands with the state police now. So. Um, I did call him afterwards for a couple of small things, but pretty much when the state police came on board, um, I, I had a sense that the case was now 
at least being worked. And um, he had pretty much done anything for me that he could do at that time. So you think he did a good job for you? I think he did a great job for me. All right, yeah. That's good to hear. Uh, I wouldn't ask you to speak for him, but once he was done working for you, did he offer you a theory as to what he thinks happened to Craig? You don't have to say what it is. I'd never ask you to do that. It's private between you two. But did he offer you an idea, a suspicion? A suspicion um, that um, something was going on in Craig's life, that um, if it was you know, drug-related, if he was involved in drugs, for example, mm. or if he was involved in criminal activity, for example, that more or less he's there would have been known. You know, he's there, you know, because you need connections and, you know, you, 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 he's there. So especially he's there when we would have looked at the computer, you know, or throughout all this investigation with him being put under a microscope. He's there, you know, he's there, he's there. So I don't think it's drugs. He's there now. He's there. There's, there's basically a few things that could have happened. He could have harmed himself. He could have had an accident. He um, could, and more than likely, what happened, and he said if it was one of the first two, he's there, really, he's there, not because of, you know, to hold back on feelings, and he's there, I'm going to be perfectly bluntly honest, he's there, if he had harmed himself, or if he had had an accident, we would have found it by now. He's there. I'm pretty confident of that. And he's there. There would have been some signs leading to him if he was going to hurt himself. Something along those lines that, you know, somebody would have known about. At some point, he would have talked to somebody or whatever. None of that came to light. So what the private investigator believes is that he hit that pathway. He was walking home. We have witnesses that saw him walking home. Something, he decided to maybe let things cool down, and he called somebody. They believe he left that pathway, he went to somebody's house, or he called somebody. And whoever this person he called or whoever this person's house he went to isn't part of his normal group of friends, okay? The theory, the thinking was, was, you know, if, you know, what, what do you have, you know, to hide in your life? If things that might be going on, you know, drugs, illegal activity, but maybe sexuality also, you know, was this the, was this something that Craig was trying to hide from people, even his best of friends? Was he gay? And was one of these truckers or whoever that he was, you know, talking with or whatever, um, did he develop a relationship? Um, that's about the only thing that, you know, they believe or this person, private investigator believed that could have been maybe going on in his life because, you know, again, if it was a legal activity or drugs or something along those lines, you know, at this point, there would have been some evidence, something pointing in that direction, some type of activity that would have said, okay, yeah, you know what, he was stealing stuff or, yeah, you know, and if you buy and sell drugs, you need connections, you know what I mean? Yeah, he was connected with this person who was selling drugs and 
They didn't see any of that. So was this something, you know, a deep, dark secret in him? Was he, you know, sexually involved with maybe um, somebody and didn't want anybody to know about it? You know, was this person going to out him? Um, did he um, call one of these people that he was friends with um, that was off the, off the grid? Um, he was you know, only 17, you know, was he taken advantage of? Did he call the wrong person? Did he turn to the wrong person? You know? Um, So the private investigators thinking is, or was at the point that time that, you know, um, although nothing else is out of the question, it does seem to point that, yes, something has happened to Craig and um, that um, whatever has happened, uh, was probably something that was going on in his life that came on kind of fast and furious. He wasn't handling it. You know, was it a relationship? Um, you know, and that could go back to this phone call. That, and this could go back to that phone call that you said that this woman just recently told you about, that he's on the phone and Craig is saying, "Are you? I can't believe this. You're going to do this to me. I can't believe. Yeah. 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 Do you realize what you're doing to me along those lines? Yeah. So so the private investigator kind of, you know, ruled out, um, although you can't rule it out. Again, let me repeat that. He, you know, as much as it hurts that he hurt himself, okay, mm-hmm. and or he had an accident, both of which he believes, you know, he would have, he would have been found by now, more than likely, okay. Um, but because of this other stuff going in his life that, um, yeah, he walked down that pathway. There's witnesses. Yeah. That was in the direction of home. Did he get to the backyard and then change his mind and make a phone call and have somebody pick him up? We had gotten, um, you know, this has brought on a lot of, um, extra stuff with it. And when you have a missing person, you know, psychics calling you, yeah, sure. um, you know, people in their theories and their, sure. you know, their beliefs and, you know, it, it brings out, I think kind of the best and worst in people. That's um, true. thank God, uh, the best I've seen in people is pretty awesome. How supportive and wonderful people are out there. They really are. Yeah. Um, but they, um, you know, these searches have gone on. They've we've walked the riverbank both sides up and down. Um, when we had that drought a few years ago, um, anything to try and find any any physical evidence or anything that we could find. Um, and the community was a big part of that. And um, they. Um, really have uh really shown you know people that don't even know you um care so much and um believe me it it, it gets you through some very bad times is there a, a body of water near this path that he was walking yeah um there's mm-hmm. quite a bit of water again we're in upstate new york um mm-hmm. So we have, you know, um right where Craig disappeared is a body of water. Um there's the Mohawk River. Um, which is only a stone's throw away. There's um, some gravel pits that, you know, have water in them. Um, All of these have been searched. You know, a river, as best as you possibly can, is an ever-going current, but, um, you know, there have been divers down. Um, When the um, bloodhounds came in, which I found out are different than cadaver dogs, 
um, when the blood counts came in, um, they went back there and they did searching and they came up with like apparel, um, but none of which belonged to Craig. But they did find things, but none of it was associated with Craig. Veronica, what did this do to your family? What has it done over the last 13 years? Um, well, my husband and I are no longer married. Um, we had been married for uh, 28 years. Um, we uh, couldn't make it through it. Um, we just couldn't. Um, we, I couldn't deal after Craig disappeared, I, I, I didn't even work. I mean, I could barely even get out of bed. You know, I was so focused on just trying to find him and searching. And, and um, you know, we just, I, I, that was like, I was just so focused on that. And um, our marriage did not, our marriage did not make it through. It did not. Um, so um, the marriage is gone. Um and um, my other two kids, um, I'm very, very close with, um, um, and it has been hard on them, um, more so than anybody I think would ever would ever think. Um, and to sit back and watch them hurt, or when you know the la- not too long ago they found um, some remains, and it was less than a quarter of a mile where Craig disappeared from. They found some remains in a culvert. So it was announced what happened was my son happened to be just be driving by and saw all of these cop cars by in this area and he said, I knew he said, I got this pit in my stomach. I knew it had it was something along those lines. So we called the police right away and you know, they said that they did find remains, that it was a male and we had to wait a day before we found the the results that it was not Craig, we thought for sure this is it. You know, this is, but it was not Craig actually. It was somebody else who had been missing, a male that was a little bit older than Craig. And, you know, initially, you know, there's relief and then you realize, oh my God, this other, you know what I mean? Other family somewhere. This other family is, is, is now heartbroken and devastated, you know, and had hoped that their loved one would come home and now know they're not going to come home. So it's a very short sense of relief, believe me. Um, and, you know, the three of us, my children and I, you know, we get together and we kind of wait. And, you know, to watch, it's bad enough for me to go through this, um, to watch my kids have to go through this, to watch, to have my kids constantly have to listen to the rumors that are out there, these hurtful things that are said. Um, and, you know, it it... It, I mean, it's just very hard as a mother to watch um, what it does to your other two kids or any other kids that you have out there. Your daughter was 13 when Craig disappeared. It's been 13 years. She's 26 now. You, you of course, said that she and Craig were very close. Um, how does she look back on his disappearance now that she's, you know, she's a young woman now? Um, yeah, anything, any red flags, any, oh, she's a mother now. Well, congratulations. Yes. She has two kids. Yes. Congratulations to her. Does, you know, well, being that she's a mother now, does she maybe look back at when she was 13, knowing Craig and how does she look at it now? Did she notice maybe some changes in him as well that she now can oh, see I, now as a, yeah. as an adult or. I don't know. Yes, I believe so. I believe now, you know, um, 
probably similar to myself. Um, you know, she probably, you know, back then really, you know, because don't forget she was a kid. She was, you know, doing her own stuff, playing soccer and doing her own thing too, you know. Um, I believe that um, she um, really um, probably looks, I don't know, I'd say that she probably looks at it more like red flags now, similar to like what I do, um, as opposed to just something a little bit amiss with Craig. You know, I think she realizes now it was part of a bigger picture. But she was a kid, you know? Yeah, yeah. Veronica, where can people find uh, more information about Craig? Of course, I know that he's on charlieproject.org, but uh, a website, Facebook page, you know, anything, um, any place that they can find more information, how to help you, how to support you. Um, I don't have anything out there open, um, you know, as far as like, you know, support, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we we work with the police. We, uh, we, he was just in the news. We try to keep it out there to the best of our ability. Um, you know, the national center, um, the, uh, you know, police department, um, you know, any tips can be called in. Um, you know, uh, I'm published out there. Um, Veronica Freer, uh, seven Yorkshire court, Scotia, New York, one, two, three, zero, two. Um, any, um, you know, uh, you you type in his name, and you know, um, there's a, several numbers that you can contact. Sure. There is still an active reward out there, um, a ten thousand dollar reward for any information, um, leading to the the finding of Craig. Any information leading to yes. the finding of him? Re- any information leading to the finding of Craig? Yes, there's a ten thousand dollar reward. Yeah. And the listeners should also know that I found out about. Uh, Veronica and the disappearance of her son, Craig, through Mary Lyle, who, you know, you've gotten to know, I guess, fairly well. And, you know, she's a friend of mine as well. So you've been working with her, too. Yes, yes. I've been working uh, with Mary Lyle. Um, I, um, uh, again, try to keep it out there um, to the best of my ability. He was just in the news this week. Um, I'm going to try and get another billboard out there, um, hopefully uh, in the not-too-distant future. Um, with um, his uh, birthday coming up, um, we'll try and get something out there again in the media. Um, we're constantly you know, sending out um Pamphlets. I was on the phone with the National Center um, to please try and have another national mailing of his postcard sent out. Um, anything I can do. Um, we just went through and some of the areas that um, we vacation, like at Seaside Heights, New Jersey. We went there every year. So certain areas that Craig might have been familiar with, you know, we we continually saturate those areas um, with his poster um, and. Um, try to keep the awareness out there um, and any information at all, um, you know, obviously, you know, we're open to taking, we, you know, you know, typically people ask, you know, have you dealt, have you, you know, had, you know, you know, psychics, have you, have you been down that road? And um, yes, needless to say, I have, um, you know, I believe that there are people out there that are gifted. Um, Unfortunately, nothing that has ever come, you know, um, you know, resulted in it. Um, but I am definitely open to to listening to anything that anybody thinks that they may feel or that they may know. 
Any last words, Veronica, before we end this interview today? Um, other than to anybody, you know, listening listening um, to this podcast, first of all, thank you very much uh, for listening um, to my story regarding my son, Craig. Um, and know that um, just you listening and the awareness um, is is supportive. Um, and thank you. Um, if anybody out there can think of anything or have any ideas of, you know, every day, every day, every day, day in, day out, shoulda, coulda, woulda, what else can I do? What else is out there that can be done? You know, you know, did I miss something? Um, to all those listeners out there, again, thank you. And if you can think of anything, uh, please let me know and just... Each one of you, give your kids an extra hug today. That's all. Just give them an extra hug and give them an extra kiss and and, um, cherish every moment that you have with them. Veronica, thank you for being on this episode of Unfound. And that was my 2017 interview with Veronica Freer, mother of Craig Freer. I thank her for appearing on Unfound. Like I said, though, I have not communicated with her in any way since the episode came out, and it's not for a lack of trying. Why has she not returned my calls and emails? I don't know. Within the last couple of years, I made a map analysis video to show where Craig was when his mother tracked him down and the route he would have taken if he decided to walk instead of drive home. I also take a look at the surrounding area and where searches have been conducted. That video is on the Unfound podcast channel on YouTube. Even with over 250 disappearances under my belt, Craig's is still one of the hardest to analyze. On one hand, do we really want to believe that Craig had a run-in with his father in the parking lot and the father killed Craig? Hey, I have no doubt that both of Craig's parents were angry that he had been lying to them, especially since this was way outside Craig's usual behavior. But death, that seems extreme. Even if Craig had been doing way more worse things than lying about work. But we know many disappearances that we've covered have happened due to things getting out of hand. Zoe Campuses seems like one of those, even though what Carlos Rodriguez did is still murder. Yet, we can't rule out someone else murdering Craig. So, that's on the one hand. On the other hand, what's hard to understand is Would Craig really walk off all by himself to commit suicide or leave his life all over getting caught not going to his grocery store job? I mean, we have to put this in context. It's not like Craig's parents had paid for his college education, then for his law degree, and then they found out he had been lying about being a lawyer, and instead he was a porn actor, right? Not that there's anything wrong with that. Within all of this, though, is the forgotten part. The girl who was with Craig that day. 
I've tried to find out who she is. Some of my assistants have. Some of the listeners have. But no luck. I would certainly like to talk to her if this podcast gets to her ears. I want her to know that her identity would be kept a secret. Anything she would say to me would be off the record. I'd like to know how often she and Craig would get together. Did she know he was supposed to be at his job that day? Did he give any reasons for not working at the store anymore? What was his demeanor when he left the apartment that day he disappeared? Did she believe Craig was going home or not? How bothered was he that he got caught? Was the girl aware that Craig's father was down in the parking lot? Whoever that girl is, she is now well into her 30s. Maybe it's time she tells her story to someone like myself, who can then give the public an accurate analysis of what happened that day. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.